Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 26. It's entitled, The Community Meal. Now, I don't praise you as I give the following instructions, because when you meet together, it does more harm than good. First of all, when you meet together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. It's necessary that there are groups among you to make it clear who is genuine. So when you get together in one place, it isn't to eat the Lord's meal. Each of you goes ahead and eats a private meal. One person goes hungry while another is drunk. Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you look down on God's churches and humiliate those who have nothing? What can I say to you? Will I praise you? No, I don't praise you in this. I received a tradition from the Lord, which I also handed on to you. On the night on which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same thing with the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, do this to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you broadcast the death of the Lord until he comes. This is why those who eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord inappropriately will be guilty of the Lord's body and blood. Each individual should test himself or herself and eat from the bread and drink from the cup in that way. Those who eat and drink without correctly understanding the body are eating and drinking their own judgment. Because of this, many of you are weak and sick, and a few of you have died. But if we had judged ourselves, we wouldn't be judged. However, we are disciplined by the Lord when we are judged, so that we won't be judged and condemned along with the whole world. For these reasons, my brothers and sisters, when you get together to eat, wait for each other. If some of you are hungry, they should eat at home, so that getting together doesn't lead to judgment. I will give you directions about other things when I come. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Culture today, we live in an infinite browsing mode. Uh, in his book, Dedicated, Peter Davis says that, that we have a hard time committing to anything. We like to keep our options open. Now, this lack of commitment to things helps affect the way we have relationships with other people because we keep our options open for, for what might come next. We keep on browsing, if you will. Now, this infinite browsing mode has, has brought some new language into our culture. Uh, years ago, it was, it was YOLO, right? You only 
lived once. It reminds me of a story of a husband and wife who were talking about retirement, and the husband wanted to uh, uh, go on a bucket list vacation, and, and the, his wife was wanting them to put money away for retirement, and, and he said, well, what if, what if we die? And she responded back, well, what if we live? <laughs> you know, there's also the, the expression now of FOMO. Do you know what that is? And, and it gets me every time. It's the fear of missing out. Uh, I actually have headsets in my office so I can wear, because if somebody's laughing out in the hallway, I'm going to go out there and see what's going on. You know, we want the freedom to keep our options open rather than being tied down. Now, this is not a new problem for us human beings. It's been going on since the beginning of humanity. But what is new is the amount of choices that we have available to us. And the more choice we have, the less likely we are to commit and then have authentic encounters with people. Now, for the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about real relationships in our lives. We're going to explore scriptures and look and see how we can be authentic followers of Christ. Now, this is not a series on marriage, even though the principles will help your marriage. It's not a series on friendships, even though it'll help you build better friendships. And it's not a series on how we can win friends and influence people. This is a series on how we can be the body of Christ for all the people in our lives. And today, we start off by looking at how we should be committed to one another. You see, real relationships commit to the way of Jesus and not the way of the culture. When we don't commit to having Christ-like relationships, then we tend to turn our motives inwards rather than outwards. And our relationships become transactional. And if you do this, it keeps us from, from flourishing. Now, in our scripture today that, that Bill read for us, Paul is getting on to the church at Corinth for becoming inward focused when it gathers together. When people turn inward, they automatically begin to look at how the culture works instead of how Jesus wants us to work. We begin that browsing mode, so to speak. Uh, this, this passage has very familiar language for, for people who've been in the church for a long time. We, we use this language in our, com, in our communion services nearly every time. In verse 24, it says, after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you see how I, I went into our communion liturgy instead of what was on the screen? Did you catch that? Because it's so ingrained in us church people, that language. 
And Paul is not happy at all about what is going on in the Corinthian church when they gather to celebrate the Lord's meal. In fact, he's so bothered that he says, you guys aren't doing the Lord's Supper at all. That they're even showing contempt for the church and humiliating people in their midst. Now, he does not hold back. After he teaches the story of what Jesus did at the Passover meal, the last meal that he had with his disciples, and after he teaches how Jesus encouraged that every time we gather, we remember him, Paul really goes out and blasts the Corinthian church. Look what he says in verse 29. Those who eat and drink without correctly understanding the body are eating and drinking their own judgment. Because of this, many of you are weak and sick, and quite a few have died. This suggestion that that some of the people have gotten sick and died shows how valuable it is that we approach the table in right relationship. Uh, you, you see, this is not typically, they, they did it a whole lot different than we do now. And, and as the church grew from a movement of people to an institution it began to shift its approach in a lot of different ways. And the church began to focus on putting boundaries up for people rather than helping people become who God's created them to be. Uh, A passage like this one becomes a great tool for an institution that's trying to obtain and create a certain type of behavior. the church began to use these verses to have people examine if they were worthy or not to sit at God's table. So what happened is people wanting to follow Christ in an authentic way began to legitimately evaluate themselves to see if they were worthy to eat at the table. And and I bet I know if I did that, I would conclude that I was not worthy. Now, in the Middle Ages, the, uh, the communion time, the Eucharist, the Last Supper, became a spectator event where only the priests were partaking in communion. And at the Reformation, uh, as, as they began to kind of reinstitute this, and people were still scared about taking communion because they might die, the priests, or pastors at that point, no longer priests in the Catholic Church, would, would evaluate them and give them a token. And if they had the token, then they could come to the Lord's Supper. You can see how this inadvertently created a way for the church to help keep people in line. Now, I am not saying that 
self-reflection and evaluating oneself is a bad thing. What I'm saying is we've missed the point of what Paul is saying here. That is not what he is saying in this passage. He's not teaching against alcohol or setting up a system to see who is worthy to be at the table. He is pleading with the church to become committed to the body of Christ, to be committed to each other. The Lord's Supper for churches in the New Testament was so much different than it is in our modern church. It more resembled a potluck meal than it did a, 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 a wafer in a cup of juice. What was happening is the church goers were moving toward the culture rather than toward Christ. You see, in, in the Roman world, uh, they would have a meal and the elite, the rich, the landowners would eat first and they would eat the best food and sometimes drink up all the best wine. Then the, the, the day laborers, if you will, the working class would come in and, and they would have their fill. And then the, the servants and slaves would come in and have the leftovers if there were any. And Paul was infuriated that the Corinthian church at the Eucharist, at the Lord's Supper, began acting more like the cultural meal than it did the Lord's table. In fact, he said, it is not the Lord's Supper at all when you eat it in this way. It's just an ordinary meal that reinforces the standards of your culture than the way of Jesus. You know, we build real relationships by committing ourselves to the way of Jesus, not the way of the culture. If we can follow Paul's advice to the Corinthians, it can help us flourish, not only as people in individual relationships, but flourish as the body of Christ. You know, uh, we're not created to live in this infinite browsing mode. We are created to live in community with one another. The, the very first thing I'd like to lift up is, is that we need to commit to our community. You know, too much of the time, we, we judge a church based on its programs, right? Does it have a good youth ministry? Does it have a good children's ministry? Is the music good? Is the preacher any good? We're not created to be nomads, moving from group to group. We flourish when we lay down roots, when we have real relationships with other people. Now, I'm not saying that there is never a time to leave a community and find a new community 
to be a part of. What I am saying is we need to shut down the browsing mode and let's not live in the perpetual state of having options open around us. Now, we can reject this infinite browsing mode and form a countercultural movement that embraces community rather than making each other simply products. You know, when we commit to community, we create a place where values matter more than outcomes, where wonder matters more than certainty, where people matter more than being right. You can have a real relationship if you commit to community and you commit to people. In the text, Paul is upset because these Corinthians have lost their situational awareness. Look at verse 20 and 21. So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. You know, what the Corinthians were doing, they were, they were at the potluck meal, and they had been through the line two or three times, and all of the fried chicken was gone before others even were able to get into line. Uh, there was a Christmas party that uh, we went to many years ago. Now, this was not one of those uh, fun Christmas parties. It was a family reunion-style Christmas party. Are you with me? And uh, I was the last person in line to get food. I want to be sure you know, I was not the last person in line to get food because I am a servant and a saintly person. I was the last person in line to get food because I was taking care of Drew because he was a toddler infant and Tracy was getting food. I want to be clear one more time. I was not being a good husband by taking care of Drew and making sure that he was okay. I was taking care of Drew because it got me away from everybody else. I'm not proud of it. I just wanted to be a little bit transparent with you. So I'm the last person in line and one of the uncles is right in front of me. We get to the macaroni and cheese and it's not Kraft macaroni and cheese. It's the good kind, right? with the nice little golden crust on the top. It's just perfect. And there's enough there for about two and a half people. And he took every bit of it. <laughs> and of course, I didn't say a word, but we are like that in the church sometimes. And with the people around us, we lose our situational awareness. And we don't even recognize that there are people right there with us who need something. Uh, the last thing I'd like to lift up for us to have real relationships is that we need to wait on others. Uh, sometimes getting involved with a group of people or church community, it's like jumping on a moving freight train. It all happens so fast. And we just expect everyone to know the language, know where to go, know where to sit, and everything just happens. But we need to be the type of people who wait on each other. Uh, when I first, uh, first let me read this scripture. This is at the 
very end of this passage. It's my favorite part. Bill, this is why I made you read so many words because I had to get to this, to this verse. For these reasons, my brothers and sisters, when you get together to eat, wait for each other. When I first came to Asbury, I was the youth pastor. And uh, at the time, the youth group had a, this was 10 years ago, the youth group had a pretty good number of young adults that were in the youth group who were special needs. And, and these folks were wonderful people. Uh, their uh, unofficial leader was a, a, a man named Grant Blair. And, and Grant would stand outside on worship nights and greet everyone. I would go stand with him because it was a great place to learn people's names because he knew everybody. Now Grant, when it came time for worship, he would get this uncomfortable anxiousness because he could tell you everyone who was not there. And I would go, Grant, come on, man, let's, let's rejoice for those who are here, right? In fact, I would go into worship, and if someone would come in a little bit late, he would walk them in, and he would find me, and he'd say, Robert, 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 Molly is here. Grant uh, reminded me of the parable of the lost sheep, which says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one, wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, you'd call all your friends, neighbors, saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. You know, Jesus tells this story to underscore that everyone is important that everyone is valuable and that we should be the type of people that wait on each other. That we should be the Grant Blairs of the world and have an uncomfortable anxiousness because we know some of us are missing. I wanna invite the uh, band to come back up as we close our time together. Uh, if we wanna take seriously this passage Paul is teaching in the letter to the Corinthians, I want you to ask yourself about the relationships that you have. Have you made the effort to be committed to the body of Christ? Are you committed to building community? Are you committed to putting other people first? And are you committed to being patient and waiting for others to come along. You know, here at Asbury, we have a deep desire to build a community that has real relationships, a place where we can be authentic with each other, a place where we can stop the infinite browsing and lay down some roots. You know, tomorrow is uh, we celebrate uh, the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. Now, he wasn't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. <laughs> uh, but as I was kind of looking at some of my notes on Mar Martin Luther King Jr. today, uh, I came across this quote. 
keep feeling the need for being important. Keep feeling the need for being first. But I want you to be first in love. I want you to be first in moral excellence. I want you to be first in generosity. Mm. What kind of community, what kind of real relationships do you want to have? Next week, we're going to be talking about unity. Uh, How can we be unified in today's world, right? Well, I hope you'll come back next week as we talk about that, how we can build our character and build real relationships. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for pushing us. We thank you for uh, not just leaving us the same. Oh God, help us to commit to having real relationships with our families, with our friends, and with our church. In Jesus' name, amen.